2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
3: welcome back to the early line hour number two live right here on sportsbook kevin waltz Joined by Donnie Wrightside. Some interesting action yesterday in the world of Major League Baseball. We talked quite a bit about Kendall Graveman being on the move, which obviously is a massive earth-shattering story there, which will change the shape of the American League race. No doubt about it. But I want to talk about some late night baseball that we saw. We'll start, of course, with Dodgers Giants. The Giants again. This is All they do is just beat the Dodgers, apparently. They win this baseball game 2-1. This is the ding-dongy about this Giants team is I feel like, you know how the Dodgers just always found a way, it felt like, for three, four years in a row. like, oh, are they down four? Doesn't matter. They'll figure it out. I feel like that's what this Giants team is just constantly doing. They extend their lead in the loss, column over the Dodgers now to four games.
4: Yeah, getting good starting pitching and also really good bullpen help and being in a pitcher's ballpark out there at San Francisco Giants. This is playing right to their M.O. here. Another 2-1 victory and I guess you could count that in as a comeback victory. Down one after five turned into a 2-1 victory. We're also talking about some things, you know, how Urias was going to pitch for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He did well. If you're asking me for my starting pitcher to make it into the sixth inning here and give up one earned run for the Dodgers, that should be a team victory and it wasn't meant to be and this continually as we look, Kevin, heading up to the trade deadline. They're going to be some big pieces after that might shift the balance of power if you are now in a dominant position like it seems like the San Francisco Giants are do you do everything in your power to block the Dodgers from getting a Max Scherzer getting a Chris Bryant just trying to add on to your team almost by default saying you know what we might not need these guys or think we need these guys but we certainly don't want to see them go over to the Dodgers this is a really good baseball team but still Kevin still almost a two-to-one favorite to win the division here, the Los Angeles Dodgers. What else do we need to see from the Giants? Are they finally swaying me, Kevin, to now taking the San Francisco Giants? Or am I going to be of the ilk that says, hey, it's only July. We still have August and September. I've been saying this for almost four months now. Maybe it's true the Giants are the better team, but not so fast, Kevin. I still think the Dodgers are going to catch
3: them. So the hot or not that we didn't get to was whether or not the Giants would be the favorites to win this division by the time we pass the trade deadline? And I love that question because not only are we going to play two more games here between these squads in San Francisco, but also we know the Dodgers are going to be aggressive, linked to Max Scherzer. But the Giants have the exact same opportunities here, Don. I mean, do you think that we see this Giants team take over as the favorites in the NL West when we get through the trade deadline?
4: I mean, I, I think you should, but it's always what we see at the trade deadline. Like, if I'm going to ask an honest question right now, let's just say nothing happens at the deadline worth anything. They get maybe a little bit of bullpen help, either one of these teams, but Max yeah. Scherzer goes to a you know the Houston Astros, let's just say. So we're looking specifically at the NL West. It's still to me when the Dodgers are healthy, the better baseball team. But if you're telling me right now, like they somehow swing Max Scherzer to the San Francisco Giants, Kevin, they are the best team in that division. Because not only we have dominant pitching, a good bullpen, and hitting, you also have the psychological advantage. Trevor Bauer, I don't think, is coming back for the Los Angeles Dodgers. All that money they counted on a Cy Young award winner to carry them down the stretch. If the Dodgers are that powerful and that deep-pocketed to say, we just lost Trevor Bauer that we're paying like, I don't know, $40 million a year to? Now we're going to go to Max Scherzer and give up a lot of our farm system and also still have to pay the guy in anticipated. We don't want to lose him at the end of the year, which is another, what, $30 million a year you would have to pay for Max Scherzer? That would be amazing stuff, but I'm actually anticipating that that's going to take place from the Dodgers here still at this point, Kevin.
3: Let's bring the radio audience into the show right here. Thanks to all those that are listening to Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090, and all of our radio affiliates out there hanging with us here on this Wednesday morning, breaking down some of the action for Major League Baseball yesterday. And this is why I love the NLs: is not only the fact that the Giants keep putting the Dodgers at bay, but for some, the second best team the National League has to offer is the San Diego Padres, who sit third in this division. They got a nice victory last night over the Oakland Athletics, Donnie, 7-4 in the debut of their newest addition, Frazier, who, of course, came over from Pittsburgh.
4: Yeah, good. I mean, we are going to watch something heading down the stretch, Kevin. That's going to be pretty exciting because you're looking at 63-37, and 37, the San Francisco Giants, the Dodgers 61-41, and 41, and the Padres 59-44. and 44. And take a look at the run differentials between these three ball clubs, Kevin. Plus 121 for the Giants. How about the Dodgers sitting at second place three games behind going, we're plus 145 in run differential, and we don't even have the lead in our own division. But I like where the Padres are heading, and again, we have a couple days before the trade deadline. The Padres made a fantastic move. I love them getting Adam Frazier. You can't have enough guys, Kevin, that don't strike out, put the ball in play, hit 300, and lead off for your team. That sets the tone for the entire lineup. Now they have an embarrassment of riches. Let's see if they do another one solid there from their front office and give them a little bit more starting pitching up, which they technically don't need. A little bit more bullpen help, which they technically don't need. But any one of these shots in the arm can get them above. A nice win for the Padres. These three teams careening down a course over the final two months is going to be sensational Mm -hmm. TV to watch.
3: The Padres have longer odds to win the division than the actual National League itself. I think that's fascinating. They beat Mm -hmm. the Athletics, which now has the Oakland Athletics one game in front of the New York Yankees in the loss column. And I know I always come back to the Yankees. This morning, a Buster-only tweet using the fan graphs projections as to who will be making the playoffs has the Yankees. More likely to make the postseason than the Oakland Athletics. The Yankees yesterday hit 3 of 16 with runners in scoring position, left 11 runners on base, gave up three earned runs from their bullpen, and won the baseball game. Maybe the most impossible result I could imagine. Is there a little bit of juice behind this Yankees team? They typically give these results right back. We'll break that down a little bit later into the show, but Rick Harrow joins us here on the early line
0: No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.
3: Back right here on the early line, Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside with you on this Wednesday morning. We now bring into the show the Sports Professor, Sports Grid Sports Business Analyst, Rick harrow Rick, thanks for waking up with us. How you doing?
5: High energy this morning. We got a lot to cover, so let's get to it. I, you know, the, all of the stuff we see overnight with the Olympics. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody on the planet who doesn't know any of the results going into prime time, which is why the ratings will be very low, although people will talk about ceremony and not substance. But we have a lot more beyond the rings off the field Olympic-wise, as we know.
3: Yeah, so let's start right there, Rick. Simone Biles uh, ultimately now withdrawing from another Olympic competition here. Talk about this story a little bit and the impact that Biles' withdrawing has.
5: Well, listen, she is the most decorated gymnast ever, one of the most decorated Olympic athletes ever. And just look at the endorsements that she has. United Airlines, the commercials, the kind of questionable ones with Uber, obviously. Athleta, Nabisco, home brands, everybody knows them. And so whatever happens in these Olympics in her image her endorsability will sustain. It will transcend. She becomes a credible, incredible spokesperson. I'm sure that's not what she wanted from these Olympics, but that's what she's going to get, and it's all going to be good. And frankly, as far as a spokesperson for, for important stuff down the road, that's going to be a big deal. Now, short term, obviously, the Olympic athlete struggles for notoriety and endorsements because it's set up as an every four year victory. But for three years you're kind of building for that and for the athletes it's an issue of well here's another example of how we're going to have to wait three years and all of those niche sport athletes they are worried about athletic endorsements as well so these games will either be known as the survivability games the games that focus on mental health again we got through the pandemic or we don't know yet because we got 10 days yet uh, a super spreader u.s not performing well there's a whole lot of 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 shifts that can happen before the end of the olympics and it's riveting but we just don't know the results yet
4: rick when we take a look at these you know great athletes as simone biles as you said very decorated and it's a build-up to the olympics talking about some future olympic games that we have and if these sponsors invest a lot of money. They, they can't come out and say, well, you know, you didn't perform in the Olympics, so we have to take the money back. But will there be any clauses in the contract that say outside of injury if you pull out that maybe we don't owe you the rest of your contract money? Because when you look at it as well, if Simone Biles goes out, dominates, and performs well in the Olympics, you're also getting that push after the Olympics where it's another round of commercials. You show your gold medal, and, you know, you're going to sell Cadillacs or Ford, you know, cars or something like that. Is there anything that might be put in from, like, a lawyer perspective that says, hey, you know what? We're giving you all this money. you at least got to go out and perform in the games
5: well first of all there will be a big push after the olympics for her uh and the endorsers as i mentioned before will be changing their messages a little bit and, and i think at the end of the day uh, the endorsers will be very proud and happy to have her represent them but your point is a bigger point which is how do they protect against uh, athletes that don't perform up to a lot of different standards lawyers are drafting these clauses all the time There are morals clauses and in, in, in athlete contracts, in traditional athletics, and it's all about leverage. Some have the ability to get out under a moment's notice. Others, if you build a brand campaign around them, you know, you're not going to be able to get out of it. And, and let's remember, it's also what the Olympics stand for you know there are 60 japanese companies that spent three billion dollars on activating around these games activation depends on fans it depends on people in stadiums that's not happening so what about those corporations and their ability to get some money back from the olympic organizing committee probably not going to happen probably structure the deals going forward for paris and for la and, and now for brisbane in 2032 you get the money back over long term but not right now
3: Rick, let me ask you about the USA men's basketball team. It's certainly been a rockier start than anticipated, and than we are used to for this group. I, I know that you cover this team well. You know a lot of people that have their hands within the USA basketball situation. What have you made to their slow start? Certainly got a, a big bounce-back kind of victory against around this morning, winning by 56.
5: There's nothing better than bouncing back for bouncing back then playing Iran okay so let me ask you this first uh, did you guys did you guys give 40
3: I mean you, you honestly delayed in the first minus 11 half. in the first quarter yeah.
5: yes oh, okay. yeah. All right. you find okay. some way right. Rick well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you good answer uh, by the way it, it wasn't as bad as it was earlier two weeks ago and it's not as good as it is today uh, although people are saying they're back well they're not back they beat Iran uh, and then uh, Jerry Colangelo is as you know is a good friend it's his swan song for usa basketball grant hill is taking over administratively they put the finest minds and brain trust on some people would say the team is not created for chemistry well you had late finals you had covid uh the top superstars the uh not there uh, it always happens uh there is a patriotic duty what does that all mean so we'll see how that all shakes out but uh jerry colangelo Again, good friend. We've had interviews with him. It'll be interesting to see what he says uh, after the games. I'm sure he has some opinions. Everybody is holding their opinions for another few days. And if you see maybe how Greg Popovich coaches now, it's a motivational issue. It's an X's and O's issue. Uh, Each team he plays that matter have two or three NBA-caliber players and maybe one superstar, like Slovenia. But the U.S. has... Five And in theory, three coming off the bench. So the depth, therefore, the coaching ought to carry the day. But uh, jury's still out, as we say in the law world. And then we send the invoice after we say jury's still
4: out. Rick, the Digital Olympics, as I like to call it now, as we brought, you know, Miracle on Ice 1980 was a tape-delayed situation in Lake Placid that was in the United States. But now we're seeing, as you said, the information movement here where you know exactly what's going to take place hours ahead of actually watching it. Now, me, you know, sometimes confused with the smartest person in the room, so Sunday morning, I wake up, it's 8 a.m., I want to watch little France and the United States basketball team play. I turn on the Peacock Network, which is digital. For five minutes, Rick, I'm watching an empty gym with a couple guys shooting free throws. And I'm saying, like, what is going on right now as I check my app and it's, you know, late into the first quarter? The digital platform here, is it a positive at this point, knowing that you can tap into that while the games are live? But for me, I'm still not used to going to the Peacock Network and try to, you know, zooming around digital networks and try to find exactly where the games are. Is that a complication here with, you know, East Coast time and Tokyo time in between? Or do they look at that as a positive for the Olympics? And that's the way they're going to do it moving forward
5: one bit of advice before i answer the question don't ever confuse yourself with the smartest guy in the room that would be a big mistake <laughs> i
4: teed you yeah. up man i teed you right <laughs>
5: yeah, up yeah i know i was a softball so but it, listen it is well it, it, how about this answer it is what it is the problem is the time zone issue more than anything else we're not back in medieval times where people don't know the lake placid in 80 was largely because uh, the uh, you know tape delay we understand that but it's the same time zone and so We know it's 13 hour difference and we know the next Olympics is also in basically the same time zones, Beijing and its environs. And so the combination of that plus the digital age, plus for the first time you see some of the reports that I've done, we are at the kind of apex point where people watching on devices and tablets and computers are almost as many as people watching on television. And those devices have no bounds. First of all, Peacock ought to try to protect the integrity of prime time because they're the same family. But you know, CNN, uh, Fox, uh, ABC, ESPN—they'll show the results instantly. They—they they, they don't care. You know, they—they they care. They care that their viewers get the information in many cases before NBC does.
3: Rick, only about 30 seconds here, but I have to make sure I ask: How far away are we from a Super League in college football?
5: Uh, not as far as you might have thought, and not as far as we were a few uh, weeks ago. It is conceivable we'll have two super conferences with teams getting buys into that 12-team playoff. But you have, you have NIL, NIL issues. We have what happens with the uh, media rights with Oklahoma and Texas. What about the rest of the Big 12 teams, kind of like the Southwestern Conference? I can go on and on and on and then cut into your you know uh, segment time, but we'll do this next week and the week after because it is a long way from being decided wild 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 west
3: mm, we certainly will we always appreciate you coming on with us that's rick Haro sports grid sports business analyst early line
0: Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
6: If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends.
3: Back right here on the early line. Time for some Take It or Leave It. We're going to start over on the Olympic golf stage here. We've got some uh, videos from Dubs Anderson that we want to play for you, give you an idea of the course, how things are going to play this week. But we'll start it off with a nice FanDuel Sportsbook odds boost here, which... Not to make the cut, but I don't really think there's cuts, so this is the next best option. And this is not a bad one here, Donnie. Colin Morikawa, Hideki Matsuyama, or Rory McIlroy to win gold would be plus 250. They boosted it up to plus 350. Take it or leave it. I'm actually going to leave this one on the
4: table, and it's the notion that you brought up. We've been having so much success here to make the cuts, but I don't believe there is a cut line in the Olympics. So you're actually yeah. forced to pick the winner of the tournament. But having said that, Morikawa, Hideki Matsuyama, and Rory McIlroy, not a bad trio to have. And also keep in mind, yeah. we're not, we don't have like a 140-player field here. It's very condensed. So you do have a legitimate chance to win this. Does it sound like a really good bet? Yes, it does. But just from my previous performances, Kevin, to win the tournament in the FanDuel odds boost there, I'm going to leave this one on the table and then I'm going to root it in to see if it actually happens. But right now, Kevin, not going to take this one. If there was a cut line, I'd be all about it. But since there isn't, I'm going to leave this one on the table. What are you thinking here?
3: You know, it's interesting because the last one of these that we saw was over at the Open Championship. And it was the Brooks Koepka, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm boost. And we finished with 50% of the top six golfers and 66% of the top three. And we were not able to win that bet. With that being said, I think this is a take it here. Morikawa is the favorite to win this. Matsuyama has a tie for the third-best odds, and Rory right behind that group there with what would be the sixth-best odds to win this tournament. And plus 350 is a good enough price. I think the attraction here, Donnie, is that shortened field where, and again, I, I could be wrong, of course, on this, but as a golf guy, I anticipate that, of course, I am not wrong, that you're dealing with a back end of the field that is probably not as live as we are used to on most PGA Tour events.
4: Yeah, so if you're taking a look like post-cut line in the PGA Tour, right, you're taking a look at maybe the top 65 golfers in the world at this point still battling for a championship. You're not going to have that in the Olympics. So theoretically, you should have a better percentage to win since there are less, you know, talented golfers that are going to be challenging you down the back stretch here. We'll see how it turns out in the Olympics. It's an
3: interesting one for sure. Let's uh, turn it over to Dubs Anderson. He's going to hook us up with a course preview so we're a little bit better equipped to bet the Olympic golf stage.
7: We've got the Men's Olympic Golf team off this week over at Country Club. We've got a 60-player field with no cut. 72-hole stroke play will be a format. And look, we've had a couple of late withdrawals, but don't get it twisted. We have a very, very strong field teamed up this week in the Men's Olympic Golf. A couple of big storylines I've got my eye on. Hideki Matsuyama trying to win the gold medal for his home country the very same year after winning the green jacket. Now, Hideki has won on this golf course as an amateur, just FYI. But what about the California kid, Colin Morikawa? Can he keep it hot? now he won at the open in his very first start he won at the pga in his very first start so why not here again in his very first start the kids game obviously travels well keep an eye out for morikawa but what about the south koreans of song Jm and siwoo kim now these guys need to medal this week otherwise they face a mandatory two-year military service for South Korea. Talk about stakes. There's a lot to play for this week in the Men's Olympic Golf on what should be a very tricky and testy golf course. What we do know about the track past 71, measuring about 7,400 yards from the tips. Big greens, very, very thick rough with a penal tree line. So we need a plotter. Fairways, greens, good scrambling. Keep yourself in the mix. The three key stats I'm looking for, accuracy off the tee, strokes gain approach, and scrambling. I think that's what it's going to take to do well this weekend. Look, it's the Olympics. We've got to have the Olympic factor. What happened in 2016? Justin Rose won the gold medal. Kutcher and Stenson also medaled. They're three season campaigners. This is the Olympics. There's a lot of distractions for all athletes. So we want a golfer who could show up and find his best stuff quickly, despite the environment that they might be playing in. So I'm looking at experience. I'm looking at course management. I'm looking at poise. Favor the old guys this week. I think they have a bit of a run. If we can't win a gold medal, let's win some money in the old golf betting. Go and have yourself a week.
3: Excellent, excellent stuff, as always, from Dubs. First of all, he sounds all about Colin Morikawa and Hideki Matsuyama. Matsuyama with a little bit of experience on this course. Donnie, I have to just bring up the other thing that he mentioned here. A lot of times when we bet sports, we feel like we uh, can or at least should attempt to handicap a player's mentality. How much they want it. How do you feel about the idea that Siwoo Kim and Sung Jae Im, if they are unable to medal in this tournament, will then have to go through with some military obligations for their home countries? It's kind of odd that that's thrown in, but that's added pressure. I don't think that helps. Like, you don't,
4: like, before your first day, like, boy, I better win this tournament or else I'm going to have to have, you know, some extra duties yeah. here over the next two to three years. That certainly can't help here. When you're talking about having the weight of your nation as well and talking about a home nation, Naomi Osaka, who played for Japan in the Olympics for their tennis team, didn't fare that well as all. That added pressure does not help. This isn't like, hey, if I, you know go par over these next four holes, I'm going to get a $5 million bonus. That's a nice kick like, oh man, I'm excited to play this. Stepping in front of the first tee going, hey, if I don't play well in this tournament, I'm going to have to do some military service. That's not the added incentive or benefit that I would like. So I don't use that as an actual advantage saying, hey, these guys better play well or else. You want the bonus. You want the carrot in front of you saying, hey, if you don't play well, you had a great time at the Olympics. But if you do play well, it's monetarily going to be very advantageous for you over the next couple of years with the amount of money you're going to see. I don't think it helps at all, Kevin.
3: Yeah, it, it would be. I, you already have enough pressure, as you mentioned, right? Uh, there is a market on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win a medal. Siwoo Kim is 18 to 1 in that market. Sungjae Im is plus 750 I am sure that those will be legitimately popular bets for people this week under the guidelines of they must, otherwise they're going to have to perform some military service. I want to do something that we rarely get the opportunity to do here on the early line, but... We've got a game between France and Czech Republic that is live right now. And, of course, Donnie and I are regularly look through live lines together on In Play Sports Tonight, Sports Grid Radio, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time here. You've got France and Czech Republic getting involved right now. Obviously, this is a big-time game when you think about the – group that the USA is in, if I'm not mistaken, France, as long as they can win this game, which they were nine-point favorites in coming into, then they would very likely clinch the victory in this group. They'll certainly be considerable favorites over Iran anyway in their last game. But Donnie take it or leave it on any in-game number right now on the game between the France and the Czech Republic France is up 41 to 36 with a couple of minutes left here in the first half they're laying nine and a half the total checks in at 177 and a half.
4: Yeah, this goes to show why Kevin is such a professional here, because we line up a segment to do the in-game level of the Czech Republic, and as we go live, the lines were locked for a few minutes, so you couldn't see me off-camera with that little wry smile right now, like, ooh, this is a perfect segment, the way it worked out, but we do have live lines back up yeah. on the FanDuel Sportsbook, minus 9.5 for France, up 5 points. France should be able to put this basketball team away, but the Czech Republic hanging around, Kevin, if I'm looking across the board, not so sure about the total, or just taking a money line at plus 160 on the Czech Republic, but why not the 9.5 here to keep this game close all The way throughout. That's the way I'll be looking at this game here. Take it or leave it, I'll take the nine and a half on the Czech Republic going up against France here, Kevin.
3: I think I would take it, but I would take it in a different market. And I think I would look towards the under of this basketball game at 177 and a half. How about this? The Czech Republic, Donnie, 58% from the floor, 73% from beyond the arc. They're losing. They only have 36 points. What happens if this team stops scoring, though, right? If France starts to turn the screws a little bit defensively, look, I'm saying France can slow it down themselves. A couple Rudy Gobert possessions that'll lead to him not being able to do any post moves because he's somehow a top 18 player in the world but can't actually do anything offensively other than finish lobs. I think that this game maybe gets a little bit lower scoring. 177.5 right now is that live total. Lines are open right now, not locked, which is, of course, I'm going to bring up some other action today in the Major League Baseball board. There is an odds boost right now, which they typically aren't up this early. Interesting. The Phillies, the White Sox, and the Angels all to win was plus 230, is now plus 320, a FanDuel Sportsbook odds boost there. We'll hit that a little bit in the next segment, but I want to ask you, Donnie, about today's doubleheader between the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, I know you're not a doubleheader better, but I phrase this in a way that I think will at least get you somewhat interested, Donnie. Take it or leave it, one team today will sweep the doubleheader between Toronto and Boston.
4: I'm going to leave it on this one because we're not getting a dominant pitching performance, or at least it doesn't look like. In the earlier games, we don't have an exactly, you know, science of who's actually going to be pitching. They don't have confirmed starting pitchers just yet. But when you take a look at these two teams, you know, I don't want to say an even pedigree. I do think Boston is the better team, but it's so hard to sweep the doubleheader because mindsets change. If you're taking a look at each one of these teams, Kevin, heading into today, do they want to sweep a doubleheader? Absolutely. But the worst-case scenario is losing those two games. So when you take a look at winning the first game, you're probably not going to play your full starting lineup for the second game of the doubleheader, but you might do it, Kevin, if you lost the first game. So just being how hard it is to sweep a doubleheader, both teams just look for the split at this point. You know, anything else is an added bonus. I'm going to leave this on the table where we don't get a sweep of the doubleheader and we get a split between Boston and Toronto today.
3: Yeah, I actually tend to agree here. I mean, also just considering, if you look at the projected starters, this is going to be a situation where Toronto will be favored in one game, Boston will then be favored in the second game there. I would keep in mind who wins the first game, though, and kind of come back around. Like, I hope the Mets play more doubleheaders. For those that have not been following this, seven consecutive doubleheaders the Mets have split. They've played... I believe it is 11 on the season. They've split nine of the 11. So I just hope that there's a little bit more rain here in New York to get the Mets some more doubleheaders, and we can keep just betting whatever the second game is of that situation. we take a break. We come back. Let's preview the Major League Baseball board next year on The Early Line.
0: No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
6: If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos, and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal, or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck.
1: Start a 30 day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
3: Back right here on Sports Trick. Time to break down today's Major League Baseball board. I'll start, though, with the FanDuel Sportsbook Odds Boost. Again, typically these will uh, not come up a little bit you know later on in the day, so I'm excited to check this thing out here. You've got the Phillies, the White Sox, and the Angels all needing to win. Would be plus 230 if you did it normally. Is plus 320. All of these teams with some interesting matchups today. I know you've got Zach Wheeler looking to go against the Nationals team here. The Angels are going to turn the ball to Andrew Heaney, but they're going against Chi-Chi Gonzalez, which should certainly provide some confidence in that matchup. And then Giolito will be on the mound for the Chicago White Sox. What do you think about this odds boost here, Donnie?
4: I mean, it's not a bad one when you take a look at it because there's not really any coin flips up in the air odds-wise here. You have a market advantage here with Zach Wheeler over Corbin. They're laying, what, 215 now at the FanDuel Sportsbook. You slide it down to the Chicago White Sox game. Giolito is on the mound after a nice victory yesterday. They are 176 favorites over Kansas City and Bubich. And then you take a look at the other game, Chichi Gonzalez. He said it all. Forget about how good the Angels are. They're a 500-ball club. But when you get the Colorado Rockies on the road, you should be able to beat them up. But last night, Not so fast. I mean, maybe looking for a comeback effort Mm -hmm. today from the Los Angeles Angels. It's getting smoked last night by the Colorado Rockies. But all three of those teams in an odds boost plus 320 makes a lot of sense. But as I always like to say, Kevin, sometimes it's hard to win just one game in baseball. But again, they're almost two to one favorites across the board here. It should win. Yes.
3: And as Donnie says, as an oddsman, it's hard to argue. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, this should be plus 230. Here's plus 320. Right? It's an interesting number. I could see myself being involved with that one later in the day. Maybe let's break down those games specifically. We'll start with the Phil's Nationals game here. A big time price on Philadelphia in this game here. Around a minus 200 or so price, minus 215, with a total of eight. There's been an interesting series. The Phillies had to complete a comeback. Their bullpen has actually been good. They dropped the second game of the series here. This is a real important one from Donnie. What do you make of this game here? Wheeler versus Corbin.
4: Yeah, take a look at Zach Wheeler on the season here, Kevin. 2.87 on his XFIP. He's been absolutely sensational. And you say even over the last 30 days, Kevin, his XFIP, a 2.35. So handling his business for both righties and lefties, weighted on base averages are low, ISO power numbers are low. But let's also take a look at what we're trying to play out this series as. You saw yesterday, the Philadelphia Phillies still seemingly think they're in it. Even though they took a loss yesterday, 6-4, to four, you do get a little bit of a comfort level there because Matt Moore got destroyed early, gave up the six runs. Then the bullpenk. Came in and shut the door for the rest of the game. Now flip it over to today. What's the big missing ingredient for the Washington Nationals? Trey Turner on the COVID list here. So he is going to be out for at least 7 to 10 days at this point which probably knocks them out of contention of maybe making moves to solidify themselves and maybe having a chance to win the NL East. That is a big cog in the lineup that's going to be out and also coincides with, you know, first two innings of the game, first three innings of the game, to get six runs, don't get any after that. This has a lot to do with Trey Turner not being in the middle of that lineup, causing havoc along the base pass. When you take a look at the pitching matchup here Corbin is a pedigree guy not having a great season but this just comes down to talent if we're going to say the bullpens are roughly average on each side I'm getting the better pitcher and the way better lineup Kevin that is perceived to be in tonight Philadelphia Phillies should win this handling now am I looking at possibly a team total for the Phillies maybe so but Zach Wheeler on the mound I think that mindset for the Phillies is let's get a couple runs and let our ace on the mound here handle his business I do think the Phillies win but I won't be partaking in any possible team totals on either side tonight which I loved the Nationals last night, and they got it done quickly.
3: Yeah, they certainly did. A couple three-run homers helped you out there. The Phillies minus a half run in the first five is minus 144. I could see that being a popular play there with that Wheeler-Corbin matchup being you know, broken down to just five innings, try to worry about the Phillies' bullpen. Again, they've been good two games in a row, which is why I'm worried about them. Three games in a row from the Phillies' bullpen feels like a big-time ask. How about that game between the White Sox and the Royals? The White Sox yesterday looked like an attractive option on the board. All of a sudden, though, late into that game, struggling to find offense. They're in the eighth inning. There's two outs on the board. They've only got two runs. Eloy Jimenez with a three-run shot gets them over their team total gets them ultimately the victory as well the total for this game is nine and a half Bubich against Giolito here and the White Sox are considerable road favorites
4: and they should be here and this is the one game I circled early with a chance to take a look at later in the day once we get a little bit more numbers here because even taking a look at the last 30 days or even for the full season Bubich hasn't been that good of a pitcher he is a lefty on the mound and typically in the past the Chicago White Sox have raked lefties take a look at just the last 30 days here as we line up the pitcher uh, for Kansas City 5.89x fifth here look at lefties and righties equal opportunity chance to smash him why 15 batters over the last 30 days to lefties that's a 400 weighted on base average he's giving up take a look at the right handers now 390 with an ISO power number of 290. There is a lot of talent in that lineup. Now, Luis Jimenez is back. You're looking at that entire lineup tonight, Kevin. All righties with a chance to rake against a not great starting pitcher and a very, very average bullpen for the Royals. But as you saw last night, he needed to be rescued with a four-run inning in the eighth the one curse and also a positive is this team is so talented that even if they're struggling, Kevin, through the first four, five, or six innings, you can get some late yeah. damage done here. Team total for Chicago White Sox is where I'd be looking at this game for myself.
3: Every single day you go through the team totals, the White Sox and the Astros, I'm like, yeah, that could be the play. Like, like I'll look elsewhere. It doesn't mean I'll bet them every day, but I can't remember the last time that I've looked at a full baseball bar and I'm like, all right, that could be it. Like Those two lineups, I trust. That's why they're the two favorites in the American League. They deserve to be the two favorites in the American League. Just really, really good baseball teams here. We might as well maybe even talk a little bit about the Astros, Donnie, because they're going once up again against the Seattle Mariners here. Kendall Graveman switching locker rooms. Obviously, that, of course, uh, is a bit of the story here. It's Kikuchi against Rizzy. You would think that that pitching matchup would favor Seattle, but again, still that lineup would certainly push someone towards Houston, and that's why they are minus 120 favorites once again here in Seattle. Yep, if you look at a full season length
4: versus lefties for the Houston Astros lineup, it makes some sense. But now that we have a lot more indicators that we can look at, particularly like the last 30 days, how hard are you at the plate? Take a look at Kikuchi, who's a left-handed pitcher here for the Seattle Mariners in a pitcher's ballpark. It is an early start, 1240 out on the West Coast. A x XFIP number, which is sensational. But take a look at this here. 14 batters he's faced over the last 30 days from the left-hand side. He's handling them them well, Kevin. Weighted on base average of a one thirty eight. But take a look at the right-handed bats here. A four thirty four weighted on base base average through 85 batters Kevin that's a pretty good sample size we're not talking about you know 5 10 15 or 20 bats that's 85 of them with the ISO power number of 316 so it's interesting when you say like hey wait a second his xfip is really low his k rate is high but you're still giving up damage why because look at his ground ball percentage here Kevin 25 percent, excuse me 42 percent on the ground so you would think that the ball is going to travel in the air but catch this here Normally, as you say, we like to look towards the Astros, which is correct. But look at their last 30 days at the plate, Kevin, for their lineup today heading in versus lefties. Jose Altuve's weighted on base average at 270. Michael Brantley at 166. Yuri Gurriel, 120. Take a look at Alvarez, 213. Correa, 253. Straw, 264 and 145. Keep in mind, once again, an average weighted on base average in Major League Baseball is 320 or higher. That's the average number. So you're telling me in this lineup that they're going to put out here, eight of the nine batters are well below that average. A stay away ball game for me. And also sometimes one of those creatures of habit, as we like to say, Major League Baseball teams used to getting ready. You know, the pitch, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night getting underway. This early afternoon battle here maybe throws him off a little bit, but I don't like what I see from this projected Houston lineup over the last 30 days versus lefties, Kevin.
3: Interesting, interesting. Perhaps the dog will be live there. I also want to bring up another one of the earlier games. This is a 4 o'clock East Coast start, but it you know, be around 1 o'clock obviously then out there in San Diego with the snell Manaya matchup. This is a series where... Yankees fans, you should be cheering on San Diego. The opportunity for them to beat the Athletics again and give the Yanks some room to maybe catch them again in that loss column, in that second wild card spot overall, is absolutely live. You do have the Padres, as 138 favorites, with a total checking in here, Donnie, at eight.
4: Yeah, I don't think the Oakland
3: Athletics match
4: up all that well at the plate with the lefty snow on the mound, but let's take a look at the other lefty on the mound, Manea, 3.02 XFIP over the last 30 days. He's been sensational, but the way you get to Manea is kind of odd here. He's faced 33 batters from the left-hand side. Keep in mind, again, Manea is a left-handed pitcher, a three seventy one weighted on base average, and a three hundred ISO power number. So if you can stack some lefties in the lineup, which Major League Baseball teams typically don't do versus a lefty, that could be your two-year advantage. But looking at the projected lineup today out of the San Diego Padres, Adam Frazier is going to be a lefty. Profar is going to be a lefty. The rest are righties. The reason I bring that up is typically if you're a left-handed pitcher, you might struggle a little bit with right-handed bats. Not so fast in this game. Over the last 30 days for Manea, the right-hand side, 68 batters he's faced. Kevin, a 280 weighted on-base percentage. This game, again, screams to me like an under. Out there in San Diego in a pitcher's ballpark, two decent pitchers on the mound today. But I don't think the lineups match up all that well with these two lefties on the mound. Should be an interesting one to watch, but again, You need Oakland to get a victory to try to keep pace here with the Houston Astros, but also from a San Diego perspective, maybe show your ownership group like, hey, I know we're going to get in the playoffs. We're actually trying to win a World Series. Let's add on. Two good pitchers I lean under in this environment.
3: Yeah, I think the under makes sense. And just to reiterate your point there on San Diego, if we think the Dodgers can catch the Giants, then I don't think we should be ruling out the Padres doing the exact same they're not all that much further back. They just added Frazier. We know they're going to be in on Max Scherzer, if possible, as well. Look, when it's all said and done, we might look at that San Diego roster, top to bottom, and some might think it is baseball's absolute best. Let's bring up the game here between the Yanks and the Rays. You have Michael Waka as a minus-130 favorite here, and that surprised me a little bit. Now, you know, Nestor Cortez on the season, the ERA sub-2, I feel like if this game was played in April, the Yankees would maybe be the minus-130 favorite here. But when you consider, you know, the fact that the Rays are basically 20 games above five hundred, and the Yankees are one of the more inconsistent teams that baseball has to offer, I totally understand it. The total in this game is eight and a half. The total yesterday was an absolute disaster. 18 hits in the game. Seven and a half was the number. They get to seven runs. It was a disgrace that that game did not go over. I know I will not be back to the over tonight on this game after losing last night. What do you make, though, here, Donnie of Rays? Yanks.
4: Yeah, something has to give here at the plate, because you take a look at Michael Walko over the last 30 days, a 4.40 XFIP number, but also take a look. He's a right-handed pitcher. He's handling his business versus left-handed bats. 265 weighted on base average, ISO power number 0.029. Well, if you look at the Yankees tonight, they anticipate a lot of Odor from the left-hand side, Gardner, and also Allen, who's a switch hitter, which will probably bat from the left-hand side. But take a look at this number here on Michael Wach over the last 30 days. 42 batters, Kevin, he's faced from the right-hand side. These numbers are not an error here. A weighted on base average of 557 and an ISO power number of 700. So if you're righties in this lineup tonight, you are licking your chops. Here's the caveat where, Kevin, something has to give. Look at the last 30 days of the Ah. Yankees lineup, the way they batted against right-handed pitching. D.J. LeMahieu, 270, weighted on base average. Judge, 310. Stanton, 274. Odor, 317. Sanchez, 276. Torres, 290. Gardner, 298. Allen, 305. The only positive in your lineup, Gio Urshela at a 365. So eight of the nine batters possibly coming to the plate tonight versus right-handed pitching have underperformed over the last 30 days. But then again, Waka, has really underperformed versus right-handed bats. Something has to give here, Kevin. Can the Yankees break out? They should tonight against Waka, but will they?
3: Oh man. Like they they should. They should. They like they're they're a live dog. The price, one of the few times where I feel like the price on the Yankees is actually good, but what are they gonna win two in a row when you're expecting them to win? Absolutely not. A lot of good games here on the baseball board today. Dodgers and Giants will do it again. Minus 142 on the Dodgers with Bueller up against Desk Low total of seven and a half. Rangers, Diamondbacks, as Lyles Bumgardner with a total of nine. I'm sure that game will intrigue people. Also, Reds Cubs, I almost forgot. Bless both of those clubs, specifically Winker and Votto. Dinger Tuesday's the best. Come right back. The early line continues.
0: Reese's, you did it! You stumped this charming devil.
6: Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like, down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asked them to check the back if it's not on the show. Shipped! Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com/slash hi.
1: Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends.
4: Back to the last segment on the early line for Wednesday, with myself and Kevin Wallace guiding you through two hours, getting you ready for your morning in sports. But now we're going to hand it over to the morning after. They got you covered for the next three hours. Right here on the Sports Grid Network, Ariel Epstein and Ben Stevens. Ariel, it's Wednesday. It's hump day. Welcome into the show. How you doing this morning?
8: Hey, Donnie, I love how in the commercial break you were asking me, hey, what do you want to talk about in these next couple of minutes? I said anything that doesn't have to do with the month of August. I'm already so into September mode. Now that we have these training camps starting today in the NFL, I am just licking my chops waiting for this NFL season to begin.
4: No, we're certainly waiting on that because we, we got a little bit selfish over the past couple of days because all that news was breaking out. Is Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded? No, he's going to show up to training camp. Is Deshaun Watson going to be on the move? So it's sort of calmed down over the last 48 hours. Xavier Howard asking for a trade out from the Miami Dolphins. But as every team reports to training camp, now we're going to start to get to the good stuff here. You know, we're going to hear which quarterbacks are performing, which quarterbacks are not performing, which rookies are looking good. Everybody thinks they can win the Super Bowl. So NFL season is just about here, also winding down the trade deadline I and mean, Major League Baseball here yesterday, Trey Turner going down with a little bit of COVID issues here, so he looks to be out the next 7 to 10 days for the Washington Nationals, maybe making it a little bit easier for Max Scherzer to be on the move, but also the Olympics a big topic here, Ariel, nice bounce back performance by Team USA to down Iran by close to 50 points, but also bigger news, Simone Biles opting out of the individual portions of the gymnastics routine for Team USA, so a lot of things going on in that capacity.
8: Olympics has been a disappointment for Team USA to start. However, although Simone Biles ends up not participating in today or not participating yesterday, she's still hopeful or the team is still hopeful that she could potentially participate on Sunday and that would be for the floor and the vault exercises which is where in Rio she did end up cashing in for the gold maybe we see her this weekend maybe a few days off to rest herself mentally and realize hey in these individual events maybe she could just focus on her not focus on the team
4: yeah gotta be a disappointment also these athletes work so hard to get to the olympics usually you know going in front of 50 60 70 thousand you know fans screaming your adoration out there it's not working out but i tell you what it is going to work out the morning after 9 to 12 radio right on the sports grid network ariel and ben have you covered we are
0: out of here on the early line non-stop live odds, lines matchups injury reports and news you can use what are you-